My father did not know he had a political philosophy, <laughs> uh, but he did. Uh, and he expressed it to me periodically in these terms. He said, everybody does better when everybody does better. And, and, and that is as radical a political notion as I've ever heard of. <laughs> and that is, that is a, a core political belief among the people of, of our, our state, even today. Um, and so we've got to get back to that spirit and to cultivate, to nurture that spirit uh, across the board. Legendary Texas progressive Jim Hightower there from a new conversation on the Mark Steiner podcast, which is linked in the show notes. It's Wednesday, November 29th, 2023, and this is the Progress Texas Daily Dispatch. Rapid response on the breaking news stories Texas progressives need to know. I'm Chris Mosier. Abortion rights advocates across the country tuned in yesterday to watch the live stream of the Texas Supreme Court's hearing of the state's appeal of Zorowski versus State of Texas, brought by 20 women and two doctors here in the Lone Star State, seeking clarity on our state's vaguely written abortion bans that place them in jeopardy of their lives, even the doctors who face life imprisonment if found in violation of laws the state itself refuses to explain. The Texas Attorney General's position in the hearing was that doctors do have the authority to opt for abortion in a case where the mother's life is in danger, but it's on them to be 100% right in that determination, lest they face the loss of their careers at best and life in prison at worst. Bayless Wagner at the Austin American Statesman writes that Center for Reproductive Rights attorney Molly Duane argued that the vague language and non-medical terminology of the exceptions leave doctors unable or unwilling to administer abortion care, forcing patients to seek treatment out of state or wait until after their lives are in danger. We featured a detailed breakdown of the hearing and its likely outcomes yesterday on our Progress Texas Happy Hour podcast posted last night and featuring longtime reproductive rights advocate and state representative Donna Howard, veteran Texas civil rights attorney Jason Smith, and Austin Kaplan, an attorney working directly with the plaintiffs. Plus, we've included a complete recording of the hearing itself, an important listen to get the full effect of exactly how nonchalantly the Texas AG's office dismisses the situation our state's abortion ban has fostered. Lead plaintiff Amanda Zorowski appeared on MSNBC's The Readout Show after the hearing, which included the insane notion floated by the Texas Attorney General's office that this large group of women don't have standing to sue over their ordeals. Find that conversation linked in our show notes this morning. Still no word on another special legislative session, despite threats of endless sessions from Governor Greg Abbott in his relentless pursuit of school vouchers in Texas. Meanwhile, the governor appears to have started the next phase of his plan, which is to take vouchers to the voters. Patrick Svitek at the Texas Tribune says yesterday Abbott officially endorsed Hillary Hickland, an activist mother who is running against sitting Republican Hugh Shine of Temple. One of the 21 Republicans who voted earlier this month to strip a voucher provision out of the latest education bill, which brought vouchers to a full stop once again just prior to the Thanksgiving break. But... Will this strategy work? Our governor is batting 500 in successfully replacing lawmakers of his own party in this way in recent years. Most recently, he backed Stan Kitzman of Wharton, who later topped incumbent representative Phil Stevenson in the May 2022 primary. Prior to that, in 2018, Abbott backed three primary challengers to House Republicans, and one of those prevailed, so he's two and two. 
Curiously, Representative Shine appeared with the governor during Abbott's voucher barnstorming tour of the state this year at a private school in his district. His later vote against vouchers, perhaps an indication that he followed the wishes of his temple constituents rather than those of his governor. That's a factor that will still be in play during primary season next spring. To the border and a report from KENS Channel 5 in San Antonio that the federal U.S. Customs and Border Protection Agency has declared Bridge 1, the international bridge at Eagle Pass, closed to incoming vehicular traffic from Mexico until further noticed. From CBP's statement, quote, the U.S. is continuing to see increased levels of migrant encounters at the southwest border fueled by smugglers peddling disinformation to prey on vulnerable individuals and encourage migration. As we respond with additional resources and apply consequences for unlawful entry, the migration trends shift as well. We continue to adjust our operational plans to maximize enforcement efforts against those non-citizens who do not use lawful pathways or processes, unquote. The bridge is only closed to incoming traffic. Vehicles are still being allowed to cross over into Mexico. A threat to national voting rights emerges via a new twist in the case of Galveston County's voting map. Ed Pilkington at The Guardian says the conservative Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals has agreed to consider the Galveston case we've talked about in which a ruling last month from a federal judge struck down a new electoral map prepared by the Republican commissioners who control the county, which eradicated the only one of the county's four districts that guaranteed representation for the area's African-American and Latino voters. Judge Jeffrey Brown found that the Republican group had committed a stark and jarring violation of the Voting Rights Act, which prohibits racial discrimination in the administration of elections. This new move by the Fifth Circuit to take up the case poses a fresh threat to the Voting Rights Act. In an order released from their base in New Orleans yesterday, the court's 17 active judges have agreed to consider a challenge to the way the act is used to protect the voting rights of citizens of color. An adverse ruling could deliver a heavy blow to the country's prime legal safeguard of access to the ballot box for black and Latino voters. Six of the 17 judges of the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals were appointed by Donald Trump. Some potentially positive news for higher education in Texas. Jessica Blake at InsideHigherEd.com writes that the new voter-approved $3.9 billion endowment to support four public universities in Texas is poised to boost research and innovation, and state officials hope attract top faculty members and students, even as our political climate is increasingly seen as hostile to academics across the country. The Texas University Fund was approved by over 60% of voters on November 7th and targets four emerging institutions across the state. Those are Texas Tech University, Texas State University, the University of Houston, and the University of North Texas to help boost their research capabilities, enhance their reputations locally and nationally, and even the playing field a bit perhaps with the University of Texas at Austin and Texas A&M who up to this point have had exclusive access to a $32 billion state endowment known as the Permanent University Fund for almost 150 years. But are we throwing billions of dollars at a problem of our own creation when it comes to academic and intellectual culture here in Texas? Timothy Noah at The New Republic writes that the red state brain drain isn't coming. It's happening right now. Noah says that as conservative states wage total culture war, college-educated workers, including physicians, teachers, professors, and more, are packing their bags for more friendly corners of the country. 
Texas at present is the only Republican-controlled state that still brings in more college graduates than we send elsewhere. But as conservative encroachment on the everyday lives and rights of Texas residents grows more intense, we can't expect that trend to hold. Most notably here is the issue of abortion rights. NOAA says that almost half of Texas's counties now have no maternity care services at all. And with the vague and harsh policies governing that care that we've discussed in the Zorowski case, that's only going to get worse. Further, Texas teachers, also embattled and underfunded in Texas, are now leaving their jobs at a rate 25% higher than the national average. Important read in the show notes that does find a bright side at least we're not Florida, where all of this is even worse. Over to the power grid as we stock firewood, flashlights, and blankets ahead of another winter under the threat of power outages. There's troubling news regarding one of our power grid's few bright spots, emerging battery storage capacity. Sarah Dina Tal at the San Antonio Express News says companies that operate battery storage facilities, seen by some as the key to bridging gaps in supply that are occasionally and increasingly brought on by extreme weather conditions in Texas, are stuck on a roller coaster of ERCOT's making, largely tied to regulations battery operators say could hinder their ability to step up during an emergency. New pending regulations that the Texas Public Utility Commission may vote on tomorrow would actually reduce battery companies' readiness to help by imposing costly penalties for those that don't maintain the level of battery charge the grid operator wants to require. ERCOT says they need that minimum charge level in order to accurately measure how much power is available to the grid at any given time. As we wrap today, your daily reminder that tickets are on sale for both of our Progress Texas holiday parties. Fun fundraising events and a great opportunity to meet and mingle with progressive officeholders, candidates, activists, and advocates. Our Austin holiday party happens this Friday, December 1st, and our Dallas holiday party is one week from today, Wednesday, December the 6th, and we'd love to see you at one or both. See the show notes for links to grab your tickets. By the way, we're also currently taking your suggestions for our annual Best and Worst of Texas lists coming at the end of the year. We'd like to know your opinion on which Texas lawmakers did the best job holding the line for progress and which did all they could to hold progress in Texas back. See the link in our show notes and share your opinion with us. That's the Progress Texas Daily Dispatch for this Wednesday, November 29th, 2023. Links to all these original stories can be found in our show notes. Progress Texas is a nonprofit media organization promoting progressive messages and actions. While campaigns come and go, we're the permanent home for rapid response media and messaging in the Lone Star State. If you're enjoying our podcast, an easy way to get active is to share our podcast feed with a friend and please consider making a donation to help us continue our important work at progresstexas.org. I'm Chris Mosier. Thanks for listening. We'll see you again tomorrow morning.